Welcome to the Palef Bukhara podcast. She is speaking. She is speaking. In each 20-minute episode, I'll have the chance to interview and celebrate strong, brilliant and inspiring women. I, in general, I'm very interested in things that turn around or fascinated by them. What is your <laughs> ultimate happy fix? Chocolate. If you could do one thing and you couldn't fail, what would you do? I don't know, kiss? This is a collaboration that is absolutely unique in the watch industry. Hello, Lisa. How are you? Hello. Uh, I'm fine. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Where are you calling from today? I'm calling from uh, the island Gotland, which is in the Baltic Sea outside the east coast of Sweden. Okay, wonderful. Well, let's let's get cracking. I've got tons of really interesting questions. Um, so when did your interest in music start? I think I remember um, my mom was working on West Side Story with her class and I heard that music and I was fascinated. I was three or four years old. And from that moment on, I asked my mother if I could play the oh, violin. Wow. So that's my first encounter uh, that I remember, so to speak. And were your parents musical as well? Um, no, no. I, I mean, musical, probably, but uh, they weren't musicians in that sense. Yeah. So at what stage did you realize that you could turn your love for music uh, into a career? That was... Um, uh, it went a little bit back and forth, I would say. I, I played the violin and the piano and I always really wanted to make music my whole life in a way. But I figured out when I was between 14 and 18 that I don't really like the stage. So then I was somehow, it was a dilemma, so to speak. How can you make music when you don't like the stage? And I didn't really have a solution. And then I moved from the countryside to Berlin and I went to a concert and there was a female composer on the program. And until then, I didn't knew that women can become composers. And it, yeah, then I was stuck, struck that, um, yeah, I will become a composer. So I was maybe 20 or something, 19 when I really knew I want, I would like to become a composer. How difficult was it to go from playing an instrument to actually composing music? That seems like a world apart somehow. Yeah, it's somehow very different, but anyway, somehow the same. You're playing music inside yourself all the time, but you're not using your fingers anymore. You're just using your ears and inside, inside ears, so to speak, and your brain. And it's very private in a way. It's not this shared um, moment. It's, it's for a long time, it's only me and the music. And then when the piece is done and gets to the concert hall and meets the audience, then it, it loses its private context and says hello to the world for the first time. So it's, it's quite different. But anyway, it's still music and it's the same experience the same qualities so to speak that I experience it's so hard for me to sort of visualize that because I'm a journalist so I use words I'm creative with words but you know I've always wondered how you create with music for me it seems something so difficult uh, I wouldn't even know where to start so it's just 
fascinating. I guess it's so easy for you that it just comes naturally. Yeah, it's for, it's for me, it's so hard to write a text, for example. It, it always feels okay. insufficient. <laughs> oh, it's funny. Yeah, yeah, each to our talents. Yes. Have you ever conducted any of your music with an orchestra or is that a completely different skill set? Um, I have uh, conducted choir uh, during my studies, um, but never an orchestra. Yes. Okay. All right. So it's a completely different sort of talent really I guess um yes I I guess I could also do that um it's just a matter of time um I think uh, it's it's of course a whole different education and but I think we conductors and composers have a lot in common that they know all the instruments and can read the whole score at once so to speak and but you travel a lot as a conductor so that is also very time consuming and i i feel i really like to have these focused times that i don't travel in between concerts and if i would be a conductor that would make it ha- harder for my writing i think yeah okay i understand you mentioned other female composers earlier are there many of them I, I only know you, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, there are not so many yet, but the new generation, let's say the the classes that study now, they are not 50-50, but they're at least always a girl in the classes now I have <clears throat> seen. So, but, so I, ho- I think maybe in two more generations, maybe we are 50-50, I hope. Oh, but that's still, great. It's still rare. And I don't know how long time it will take. But yeah, I think women are giving a lot of chances right now. And we just have to take them now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I'd like to go back to the creative process for a little bit. How? Where do you start when you, you have to create a new piece of music? You know, where, where, where do you start? Do you scribble down on paper? Do you hear it in your head? Do you hum, whistle? get your violin out yeah it's usually all in my head and I I like to think about a a big piece for two years that's my um, perfect situation and I just think about it for a long long time and then I write it down in three months or something so everything is in my head and then I then comes this paperwork in the end that I have to get it down and translate it so other people can recreate it okay wow that's fascinating so two years to from start to finish yeah that's the optimum it's not always the case but I really like to think about it first for a long okay. time yes. okay okay wow it's fascinating it's just so hard for me to imagine <laughs> you know because <laughs> my timing is always like I have a day to finish something so I can't imagine having two years that would be lovely um, I read in an interview recently um, about you, as I did my homework, that when you're writing, you often see the music as a, as a sculpture. Can, can you tell me a little bit more about that? I found that really interesting. Yeah, I'm really interested in the movement and also about what the listener sees in the concert hall. It's not only what he hears, but a lot is also about what he sees, especially as we are right now in a time where we're so visualized. So I think a lot about um, 
right and left, for example, if it's a huge formation, about sounds that wander through the formation, the orchestra, for example, or the choir. But also um, the small gestures of the musician. How how does the violinist bow with the violin and what kind of choreography comes out of it? So then the music, it's not only about the music, it's also about the movement and what impact the movement has on the music and are there contrasts that I can use or not or can I amplify um, the expression of the mu musical material with the movement, so to speak. Um, so there's a whole not other layer that I always also think about and I think it's very important today in a way. Even though it's very, it's not very, it doesn't jump into your face that it's thought through, but it's lying there underneath as well. Oh, I'd, I'd never thought about that. I'm going to, next time I go to a concert, I'm going to look with a different different view now. I'll be paying attention to that. Yeah, I remember as a child, I was always so fascinated because the concert master in the orchestra, he always does the bowing for the violin. So everybody is the same, does the same. And I was always so fascinated when there was one violin who had the wrong <laughs> wrong bowing, oh, for example. Um, <laughs> or if they were all totally choreographically in tune. I think it's, it's very fascinating. It's like a dance choreography. It's going to change the way I see music now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, you recently wrote a piece of music um, for Karlef Bukhara with the uh, Lucerne Festival Orchestra. Um, can you tell us a little bit about this project? Because it was something that had never been done before, to my knowledge. So um, how was it as an experience? Um, it was very fascinating. I, In general, I'm very interested in things that turn around or fascinated by them. So I was immediately fascinated by the watch and all the philosophy behind and all the work behind it also takes such a great time to do such a masterpiece um, so I took basically the the watch apart in its, in its um, different pieces and tried to find musical material that imitates it a little bit as a starting point and then I composed with these materials something new that also became one thing, like the watch. It's made out of a lot of pieces that are put together and in, in the end it works all together. So it was actually not so different from how I usually work. But um, of course I, the source, the sound source is really the watch. I see. So that's very special. So I first listened to something before I recreated something. Can we have a little listen maybe to to uh, to the music? Do you have it there that we could listen just to a little morceau, as they say in French?
Wow, that was really, really beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. The titles of your music are always quite unusual. For example, you have pieces called Eyelids, another called Coat and Sugar. Um, they're rather intriguing names. Is the plan to make people curious to listen or is there another reason behind these unusual names? Um, yeah, I think the title is quite important for a musical piece because it puts another layer of interpretation in there. It it gives the listener hints, but in my opinion, it shouldn't dictate anything. So I try to use titles that are kind of open, but are triggering a lot of thoughts around it. So everybody has some thoughts about eyelids without being too concrete. And everybody has ideas about sugar or a coat um, or a sail that are totally different for every human being and also I hope in a, a little bit diverse not only one thing it should point to different directions where the listener then together with the music can create his own imagination or his own world or understanding of the piece okay is it a bit like I would imagine when you look at a piece of art everyone sees it with a different they interpret it in a different way they see something different in fact is, is that the sort of the same idea Yes, and in my opinion, it would be, I imagine that somehow the listener first finishes the piece in a way. It's not, it's not finished without the listener. So every listener has his own piece in the end. That's my wish. Somehow. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, that's beautiful. They complete the, yes, and the work in of it, art. In, in its very own way. So it becomes a personal piece for that single listener yeah i hope oh excellent um one thing we both have in common is that we're mothers of three children uh, and career women if i think we can say that um how do you how do you balance all of that um i know for me it's i find it quite hard sometimes i often get up early in the morning to try and get some work done before everyone wakes up but how do you manage being a mom um and a composer um for me, I feel it's nourishing, uh, both sides in a way. I get a break from the children when I work and I get a break from the work when I take care of the children in a way. But of course, it's really all about organization and sometimes lack of sleep. Sometimes it is hard, but I feel still that we are somehow fighting for the next generation. So that always gives me a lot of strength that I, I have to continue not for me but for my daughters and for the rest that will come and then then I get the strength back and uh, continue yeah so no, it's, I... it's it's good in a way that one has this um, pressure I think it's nourishing and honestly speaking before I had children I was just not so good organized a lot of time got wasted which doesn't happen anymore every moment is very valuable now uh yeah it's true let it be with the children or for the work everything is a pleasure and i appreciate every moment um that i have with the children and that i have for my work um so i i, I for me it's a very good thing to have both 
Yeah, yeah, no, that resonates very well with me too. I, I totally agree. Um, I think we appreciate our time more because we have to be very careful of it. Um, so, no, you're totally right. Um, what, um, what are you working on right now? Is there anything that you can share with me, or I don't know if it's top secret, or you can give us some hints? Yeah, no, I'm I'm working on a concerto grosso. It's called that is a piece for large orchestra and four soloists and it's a commission from four orchestras in Sweden Stockholm Gothenburg Norrköping and Malmö and it's a it's a gift for the Royal Musical Academy of Sweden they turned 250 years this year oh wow so i'm trying to they asked me to to write something that is in a way positive or jubilating but I find it very difficult in these times to do that so I really try to express this difficulty about jubilating but it's somehow forced I so see it, yeah. it won't really have the expression of jubilating but it will try and we'll see if it will be able to from time to time during the piece but there will be the other side as well in the piece. So it it was a very, or is a very interesting commission, I feel. It does sound interesting. How does it work for you? Um, is that um, you have commissions from, from different um, organizations or do you sometimes create and then sell your work? How, how does it typically work, um, you know, sort of to live from your art? Yeah, it it really um, goes by commissions. So I'm kind of planned out for the next three, four years. And I know exactly what I will write when. The commissions are usually, it only says the duration and the formation. And everything else is up to me, usually. Okay. So I'm very free. Yeah, sometimes there comes this moment, it's very rare that somebody commissions a piece and give you a carte blanche. You can use the instruments you want or the voices you want, but it's very seldom. Okay. What would you do if you did have carte blanche? (laughs) It would become huge. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, I'm really interested in, in, in a lot of voices and a lot of, um, layers so uh, maybe something for 120 musicians or something that's that would oh, wow. come out then oh i guess you wouldn't have time to do it just for for your own pleasure huh because you're so busy uh, right now but that moment might come later in in life i don't know who knows okay all right well anyone listening who wants to uh <laughs> commission Lisa to do something with a huge orchestra um you can get in touch uh excellent um what advice would you give to a young person a young girl or a young boy who were interested in following in your footsteps yeah try to find your own voice and really find out what is it that is special about you and try to amplify exactly that because there are a lot of composers and a lot of good composers, but it's really about the profile. So I think the time when you study composition or music, it's really very important to find out what is it that I can give 
to this society, this musical historical context also. And then all the the tasks and stuff will come by itself when you write a couple of pieces, it will all come. But to find the own voice and what is it that I personally really want to express and what is it that I enjoy also. It's It's a lot about joy also because you can't spend all your time doing this if you don't enjoy it, uh, I believe. Yeah. yeah, to find that that specialty and the joy and what you really want to express. Yeah. And no, that's you... great advice. Yeah. Thank you. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> um, has there been anyone sort of in your entourage or a famous person who inspired you as you were growing up? I was always, weirdly enough, very inspired by uh, Karl Lagerfeld, who is not, of course, a musician or anything. Oh, wow. Tell me about this. (laughs) Yeah, it's very... I found it also very weird that I'm so intrigued by him, but I always watched him and his shows. And he's... he's, First of all, of course, he has a very special personality, which I found very interesting. But then also... His art is so special and it recreates in a new way all the time, twice a year, so much newness and so much passion behind. So he was always, uh, if I didn't knew further in my life, I looked at Karl Lagerfeld and and then suddenly ideas came up again and strength came back again. Very weird. Okay. Oh, that, no, it's unusual. I, I will have to have a closer look at him. Maybe he can inspire me too. He's fantastic. Yeah. He's such a, yeah, just he has such a character or a presence about him. And and his work was just, yeah, outstanding throughout his career. So, no, I understand uh, you choosing him. It's just surprising, um, you know, respecting a big composer or... <laughs> So yes. no, that's great. Often we are inspired by people in different domains. So, so yeah, why not? Absolutely. Um, you, you've had an amazing career so far. I mean, with all the awards and the commissions, and you're still very young. Um, what big dreams do you have that you'd love to to achieve? Anything left that that's on your list? Yeah, I don't dream that much because I believe that if you dream it already, it becomes so real. And then when it happens in reality, it's somehow less good. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. <laughs> so, so I just, I hope I can always live from music and that I yeah. live for a long time and that the world will live for a long time. Yes, yeah, definitely. That's very important. And yeah, that there will be joy from time to time. Yes. No, I'm sure I'm sure we're coming out of a very difficult period, but I see the light at the end of the tunnel. We're not quite there yet, but Yeah, I think, I think you will find chance. your Yeah, you'll find your jubilation for your for your peace, I'm sure. Yes, there will be a moment. So now we have our um rapid fire session. We typically do this at the end of each She Is Speaking podcast. So we have eight questions. Uh, There are no wrong or right answers. Just feel free to say the first thing that comes into the top of your head. Um, So are you ready? Yes, I am ready. Okay. 
So if you hadn't have worked in the, say, music industry, what other job would you quite like to have done? Yeah, being a nurse. Ah, interesting. Okay. Are you an early bird or a night owl? Early bird. Okay. If Very you had early a s- bird. <laughs> oh, really? What time do you get up? Uh, if I manage, sometimes I get up at four. Oh, wow. Oh, goodness. I thought I was early at six. Okay, <laughs> moving on. If you had a superpower, what would it be? Not needing to sleep. Oh, yeah, that would be well, that would be very helpful. Um, I could do with some of that too. Uh, what are you most afraid of? That my children will die. Okay. Um, if you could eat one dish only for the rest of your life, which dish would it be? Dark chocolate. Ooh, I like that. Um, <laughs> what is your ultimate happy fix? Chocolate. Perfect. That's good. Uh, what do you value most in a friend? Honesty. That's good. If you could do one thing and you couldn't fail, what would you do? Oh, I, I'm not allowed to fail in it? No. So you can do anything and you will immediately succeed. I don't know. Kiss? Yeah. <laughs> oh, know. that's good. <laughs> hey, as I said, there are no right or wrong answers. So that's perfect. Okay. Well, wonderful. Thank you so much um, for your time. It was an absolute pleasure to to chat with you and learn more about your world because it's so different, at least from mine. So thank you so much um, for your time um, talking with us today. It was nice talking to you. Thank you for listening to the She Is Speaking podcast. Be sure to subscribe and stay tuned for more episodes soon. Until the next time, stay safe, stay well. I invite you to subscribe to the She Is Speaking podcast so you don't miss out on this episode or future episodes that include a lineup of exceptional women. Thank you for listening.